have you ever wondered about an explanation for life? I know you have, and so that's why I'm going to give it to you right now. This is golden. Now, just to prelude up front, this might not be entirely accurate. This might not be fully theologically correct. Okay, so keep your listening ears on so you don't get led astray. On the first day, God created the dog, and he said, you sit by the door of your house and bark at everyone who comes and goes. And God said, for this dog, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog said, that's too long. How about I give you 10 back, and let's just make it a 10-year lifespan. And God agreed. And on the second day, God created the monkey and said, entertain people and do monkey tricks. Make them laugh. And for this, I'm going to give you a 20-year lifespan. And the monkey said, ooh, ooh, that's too long. How about we do that same thing that we did with the dog? I'll take 10 and I'll give you 10 back. And God agreed. And on the third day, God created the cow and said, you're going to go out into the field with the farmer all day long, and you're going to suffer in the hot sun, and you're going to have calves, and you're going to give milk to support the farmer's family, and for this, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, mmm, that's way too long to do all that work. How about we make it 20, and I'll give you back 40? And God agreed. And then on the next day, God created man, and he said, eat, sleep, play, enjoy yourself, and for this, I'm going to give you 20 years. And man said, what? Only 20 years? God, how about this? How about you give me my 20, and then give me the, 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 the 40 that the cow didn't want, and then give me the 10 that the monkey gave you back, and give me the, the 10 that the dog gave you back, and let's make it 80. And God agreed. So this is why, for the first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. And for the next 40, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And for the last 10, we sit on the porch and we bark at everybody who goes by. <laughs> and there you go. That's life. Tell you that story because I want to bring up the same idea. It's to explain what life is really like and, and how it works. And um, it's one word, really, one tiny little word. And it's the word of the day. You can write this word down somewhere. We're going to use it again and again. We're going to come back to it over and over. It's a very, very important word. And it's very unassuming as well. Jesus said, You can summarize the whole Bible with this one word. It's the word that, that, if, that can, if you understand it, if you realize it, it can give you the power to change your life. And that word is simply relationships. Your quality of life is going to be determined on how you deal with your relationships. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And relationships are everything. We're going to look at relationships in one way today, and then we're going to spend the month of October, <laughs> October expanding that view of relationships in our series LSD, Love, Sex, Dating. Don't lose your mind. 
all right? It's all relationships. It's all the time. It's marriage. It's love. It's sex. It's dating. That's October. Plan to be here for that, but plan to bring somebody else who you think might be able to uh, appreciate a conversation of that nature. Let's say it this way. Relationships, your relationships are the most important decisions that you will ever make in your entire life. The one thing that has the most influence over where you are right now is probably those people who have been in your life. It's your relationships. One person said that your net worth is determined by your net work. And that's why we're in a series called To Gather. Jesus said, you know what, this is really important. It's so important. So in Matthew 18, he said this, this is our theme verse for this series, for where two or three gather as my followers, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into that circle. I'm going to come into that room. I'm going to be there with them. So why? Why is Jesus so interested in our relationships? And the answer, I think, is very simple. Real life change takes place in the context of relationships. Why is Jesus so interested? Because real life change doesn't happen if you just attend a service. It doesn't happen by going to school, even if it's a fancy university. It's not what we know and it's not what we understand. Your real life change, it's going to be impacted by the people in your life. And that's why Jesus said, if you'll be intentional about gathering, I'll step into the middle of that and I'm going to do something pretty powerful. For some of us, for many of us, we're not involved in any significant, intentional kind of group. And immediately, as soon as I say it, you're already thinking to yourself, ways to not get involved. Reasons to not get involved. So I want to address that. Let's start there first. Why wouldn't we do it? Why don't we get in there? And so I wanted to look first at Ecclesiastes. It's a great word. It's fun to say, Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. In other words, he just didn't have anyone close to him. It's not just about a biological relationship. It's a, that he had no one who could really engage with him. He didn't have a close contact. And the result of that, the result of that being alone, that condition might be the same as your condition that you're in today. He was doing that alone. He was left alone, and there was no end to his toil. Life wasn't working. It seemed that the work never stopped. And so what did he try to do? How did he try to move along from this? Why did he, what did he try to put in the place of what only a relationship can do? Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He had tried. Well, maybe I'll, I'll go to the office a little bit more. If I spend some more hours there, I'll pick up some hobbies. I'll try to make some more money. But it didn't scratch the itch because real life change takes place in the context of relationships. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You want life explained? You want to get it and how to make it work? It's relationships. Walking alone never, never, never has worked. But that has not stopped us from doing it, right? We frame ourselves in all kinds of ways. Why do we walk alone? Well, here are some reasons. Reasons to not get close to people, reasons to not be in a group. And sometimes these reasons that we use ourselves, when you expose them, you talk about them out loud and publicly, you can, you can be free then to move on past them. So the first one is naivete. That's another good word, right? Naivete. 
There are some of you who genuinely didn't know that you really need this stuff as badly as you do. But some of us actually think, I got it. I can handle this stuff this whole life. I've done it this far. Of course I'm doing fine. And I'm going to do fine going forward. I can do it. Way, way back in the day, Muhammad Ali was uh, on a flight and on the airplane, and he refused to buckle his seatbelt. And the flight attendant came up to him and said, sir, you, you have to do the seatbelt up. And he goes, Superman didn't need no seatbelt. And she said to him, yes, Superman didn't need no airplane either. Buckle up, please. You need others. You need connection. The next one would be temperament. Now, you know what? I don't, I, don't, I don't have that personality. It's not that I don't have a personality. I don't have that personality. I'm not outgoing. I don't just go to other people's houses, right? I don't gather in a group. I'm kind of shy. And it's easy to say that. That's just the way I am. And that might be true. But that doesn't remove your need for it. The next one, fear. What's going to happen if I go? And even for those of us who are kind of outgoing, it's still hard to think of picking up a phone and making a call and saying, hey, is, is it okay if I come and check out that group? Because then you've got to walk up to the front door. And you've got to knock on the door. And if you're like me, you can build a scenario in your mind and you write that script so fast. And when I go up to a door and something like that and I'm already feeling nervous, the, the scenario, the, the thing that I build in my mind is much more like a horror movie than it is like real life. I'm going to knock on the door and right behind the door is a giant snake! I, go, I get all scared, right? That's what's going to happen. Or, or inside, they look normal, but they're zombies. Somehow that got there before I got there and it's weird. You build these scenarios. They come up and they're totally unrealistic, but you don't have to say them out loud so that you don't have to have anyone tell you that it's unrealistic. But you get there. And they say, you, you imagine that the door opens up, right? And the whole group is already there. And they've been waiting for you. And they usher you in. They say, we've been praying for hours before you got here. We're so glad that you're here. Please come in. And you walk in to the room and then you realize that everyone's already seated actually. And there's only one seat left and it just happens that they're seated in a circle and the one chair that's left is the center of the circle and they say yes please come to your chair sit down in your seat as you sit down would you mind now praying out loud for every need in the world when you finish that would you please just confess all your sin and we believe that. We think that this sort of thing is going to happen. We're afraid of stuff like that happening. But honestly, that never, ever happens in the first week. We wait till at least week <laughs> three before that kind of stuff goes on. The next thing would be past experiences. Some of the people sitting around you right now have been burned relationally. Some of you who are here have been wounded and your response to the wound wasn't to get it healed. Your response to that wound was to say in no uncertain terms, I'll never let that happen to me again. And sadly, this is common in all circles, but more sadly, it's common that it still happens very much in the church. But it is still the wrong response. 
And I understand it. I understand it because I've felt it. But it's still the wrong response. I'll never let someone hurt me that way again. I'm never going to expose myself that way again. We've got to be careful that we don't let our past experiences keep us, hold us back from God's best. And here's the last one. This one. This one is keeping so many of us back from God's best. And we know it. You can probably guess it already. And you're saying, no, don't say it. It's busyness. I can't go. I am already out eight nights a week. I can't. Dude, I'd love to. But my schedule. I can't. My schedule. Here's a question for you. And it's a complicated question. It took me a long time to write this one. So I'm going to read this one. Listen, how many things are you not doing that you know you should be doing and your life would be better if you were doing, but you don't do because your schedule is dictating your life? How many things are there in our schedule that contribute nothing to our lives? Don't let the world, don't let your schedule be the one that's telling you how to live. Here's another question. This one is a little bit more awkward to answer. How long do you plan on having poor connection, lousy relationships, and poor spiritual growth for? What's the number? How long is your plan to do that for? Is it weeks? Is it months? How long is that what you want to last? Because if you don't want that to last, you have to do something different. Which sport, club, lesson are your kids in or are you in right now that is more important than your long-term spiritual health and development? It's not cancel everything. It's manage your schedule. I think we'd all like to go to that place. That place where everybody knows your name. And now, since we're all basically exactly the same age, you know exactly what that was, and you're already singing it in your head, right? Did it come there? It's cheers. You know this? It was a show that we, we, many of us grew up with. Some of us have seen it only in reruns. That's what I mean, just me. I've only seen this in reruns. It's about an ex-Red Sox pitcher who's named Sam Malone. And Sam doesn't drink anymore. And this bar became a club. It's sort of a hangout place. And they became like family. And they loved to go. But it wasn't because of the great service, Carla. And it wasn't because of the great food. They didn't really have any. It wasn't because of something to drink. They went because of the people. People like Cliff Clavin. And people like Norm. Of course, it was Norm. See if this makes you think, if you can remember this. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see 
Our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And we've grown up in a world where that association is to a bar and not to the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that God designed the church to be that place. And that's what Into One is all about. It's about bringing us together. But it takes work. And it takes effort. It takes people willing to bring this into existence. To create this environment. And I want to know, are you willing? Will you be one of the people that helps to create this environment that we can bring other people into to share it? Will you be part of our Main Street Revival. Let's read together out loud. And I want your real voice. I don't want your mumbly church reading voice, okay? Romans chapter 12, starting at uh, just verse 5. Okay? One, two, three. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Okay? So turn to some of somebody around you, and you tell them, you need me. You need me. You need me. Now, honestly, turn to that other person. You know the second person, your second choice? Now tell them that they need you. You need me too. This is the truth. We need each other. We might not even know each other, but that doesn't stop us from needing each other. A couple of these ways that show up, we're going to look at four. Four aspects of a person's life. And all of these aspects, man, they hardly ever get touched in just basic, ongoing, real life. But a small group, a connection place, can touch all four of these, and they can meet those needs. We need each other because we are better together. Here we go, four aspects of a person's life. The first one is called the arena. In the arena, it's where I know and you know. There's some things that I know about you just being here together this morning. There's some things that you already know about me just from the couple of minutes that I've been speaking. There are some arena aspects of our lives, but it's just our public side. It's not the real us. It's not the whole us. And here's our first need. I need people who really know me. I need someone who knows me. Because there's another side to me. There's more than what you just saw. In 1 Corinthians, Paul brings this out. He says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? We can be like a mystery at that point. All of us have another side. And it doesn't have to be our deep, dark side. But it's the inside side. All of us see the public side. But there's another part. There's the real you, what really touches you, what's really significant to you. And that's the part where I believe that we need to get to more regularly. Why do we need someone who really knows me? I want you to hear this part, okay? Because we all have that day. That day when you're ready to check out. It's the day that you got the bad news. It's the day that you got the test results. It's the day that I faced two years ago now when I lost my father. 
It's that day. All of us need a few people, right? We need a few people who really know us. We need a smaller group. We need a place where everybody knows our name so we can face that day. Here's the second aspect where a small group can make a difference. This arena or this area is called the mask. I know, but you don't. We've got masks. We've all got that thing in our head where we can say, you don't know about me and you're not going to know about me. Now, I'm not safe if no one knows but me. If there's something that only you know about you, you're not safe. You're not in a good place. You have to have somebody who knows your secrets. Somebody who knows where you're tempted. If no one knows, you're not safe. So what do we need? We need people who will protect me. They can't protect you if they don't know what's going on inside of you. And that's why Paul says, since God has so generously let us in on what he's doing, we're not about to go throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. You need a few people who really know you. It's really the only way that you'll ever get over habitual sin. If you confess to God, He is faithful and He will forgive you and He will cleanse you from all right unrighteousness. God will forgive you. But James chapter 5 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess your sins to another person. Not to everyone. To another person. Pray for one another. That's where healing takes place. God will forgive you, but you need a person that's going to fight for you, who's going to protect you, to stand by you, to see you get healed. So we've got the arena where I know and you know. We've got to get beyond that. We need someone who knows us. We've got the mask. I know, but you don't know. Man, I need someone who's going to protect me, someone who's going to stand with me in this. We need someone who knows. The third area is the blind spot. I don't know, but you know. I didn't know I acted that way, but you do. You know I act that way. I didn't know I had spinach in my teeth, but you sure can see it. We all have that, that, you know, that exposed place. And here I am just smiling away, and I've got stuff all up in on that, and I don't know, but you know. Friends don't let friends keep stuff in their teeth. Friends tell you when your fly is down. We've got blind spots. And not everybody needs to know what your blind spot is. 
But a few people who love you do know. They know what your blind spots are. And that's why I need people who will be honest with me. I need someone to know if I'm not treating my wife the way I should. I need someone who is going to tell me, your attitude is off. You are going down a stinking, thinking pathway. That's not the you that you really want to be. Pull out. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not always ready to receive that from everybody, no matter how willing they are to share it with me. But I'll receive it much more readily from the people that I really believe love me. I just hope for the sake of Into One that you have someone that you've allowed to be honest with you in that kind of a way. Because we all need it. Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So the Bible says that the good guy, the faithful guy, was the guy that said, hey, bro, we got got some things that we got to work on here. It's your enemy that comes to you kissing you and saying, you're wonderful. You're the best. You're awesome. We need someone who can be really honest with us. And here's the last one, the potential. I don't know, and you don't know. Only God knows your potential. So if only God knows your potential, if only God knows this one, then how does a small group help me with that? Here's how, okay? Because God's system, we've talked about this before, so so listen again so you get this in your head. God's system to pulling out your best God's system is you connecting with another member of the body of Christ. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We work in partnership. And we normally talk about it as how God is working in partnership with me. But here's the beautiful thing. God is actually working in partnership with someone else for my benefit. We're not supposed to be body parts. We're supposed to be a hand knowing where the wrist is. The wrist, knowing where the arm is. The arm, knowing where this massive bicep is. That's the way we're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to be tied in. And I'm really glad you didn't laugh at my massive bicep because I wasn't hoping for that at all. Um, I appreciate you you just recognize that I have massive biceps. It's very good of you. Uh, Paul teaches us in Ephesians about connection. It's not just parts, it's connected parts. And he says each part does its work and it helps the other parts to grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I need people who are going to grow me. That happens when we connect to the body of Christ. Simply put, your life can be changed powerfully just by attending this church. I mean, Jesus can move by the power of his spirit and he can transform your heart, your mind, and your attitude. But there's more than that. We recognize that into one community church that we need to be making a difference in people's lives, lives in a larger, all-at-once kind of context. But we need more than that. We need a place where I'm known, where they know my name. They're glad I came. 
And they can protect me. And they can be honest with me. And they can grow me. Here's our final verse. A man of many companions may come to ruin. So if you're one of those, I got tons of friends, people. If that's you, the Bible says there's still more to it than that. You need a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You need an intimate friend. It can't be everybody. It can't be just your spouse. It can't be just your boyfriend or just your girlfriend, but it needs to be a a few people, not everyone. And I want to challenge you because I think sometimes we just let these things go by. I want to challenge you with everything in me to earnestly pursue Jesus by every means at your disposal. With that in mind, we handed out, if you got the handout, you got them there. There's some, uh, some other sheets at the back. We have our sign-up sheets for small groups. And I want to challenge you to fill one out. And because last week I made the mistake of saying they were on the back table, can somebody get up and pass those things out? Because I know the way that we work. We just sort of leave them, right? I want to put it in your hand. You can make a decision to say no. That's okay. But I don't want to take away that opportunity to respond in that way, to say, I can at least give this a try. Take the plunge. Sign up and become part, not part. Sign up and become an integral part of a small group. Let yourself get started. Let, your start, let yourself start to get connected in some meaningful relationships. The challenge is to fill it out. There's not an obligation to fill it out. If you do, you can just put it in the box at the back, our connection box, the same place that you can put your offering in there, the communication cards, you can put them in there. But think about this. How well are you doing by yourself right now? Is it possible that you could be doing better? Is it possible that with God and God's people, you might be able to take a step that as of yet you've never been able to take? Father, thank you for this amazing church and the amazing work that you are doing in us and through us. You are great, you are good, and you are insightful. I just simply pray that we'd all realize the need And we'd all have the courage to take the next step. And in your name we pray. Amen. And now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And the more we connect, the better it gets. As I send you out today, I want to challenge you again. Where I go, I will engage. The church doesn't live in the walls. The church goes where you take it. Engage where you go.